Welcome to this time of worship at First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. I'm Sandra Olwine and I serve as pastor here and on behalf of our staff and entire congregation, we're so glad that you have joined us for worship this day. In this season of Lent, we turn again and again to God's forgiving, merciful grace so that we might be renewed in our walk of faith, find purpose for our life, and serve God by loving our neighbors in God's name. In anticipation that the Spirit will meet us here in this time, let us turn our hearts then to praise and prayer.
we gather for worship on the third Sunday of Lent. What a joy to come together as the body of Christ, even as we gather in separate places, for the Spirit binds us together despite the space between us. In gratitude, then, will you join us in the call to worship. Again and again, we come to this time. Again and again, we gather as a community. Again and again, we move closer to God. Again and again, God is here. We are met. We are heard. We are shown the way. So again and again, let us worship holy God. As we continue to center our hearts in God's presence as we worship this morning, 
Please join me in the prayer of the day. God of our salvation, we are on a journey that we have made before, a journey that will once again sweep us into unexpected places, always in pursuit of the path of your obedient child. Send us your Holy Spirit to open our lips that our mouths may declare your praise and we may be guided on this path of penitence, prayer, and preparation. Amen. Good morning, young Christians. Today is the third Sunday of the season of Lent. And in our story today, Jesus gets angry. Do you ever feel angry? What kind of face do you make when you feel angry? Let's all make an angry face together. What else do you do with your body when you're angry? Maybe you stomp your feet or ball up your fists, put your hands in the air, ah, maybe you yell. Yeah, we all feel angry sometimes. Try to think of the last time that you felt angry. What were you angry about? I'll tell you about a time this week when I felt angry. You see, I looked around my house and I noticed that everything was so messy. There were dirty dishes piled up everywhere, everybody's stuff just all over the place. And I started to feel really angry about it. And so I said, everybody, let's clean up this mess. And thankfully, all of my family pitched in and helped and we cleaned it up and I felt much better. Did you know that even God feels angry sometimes? I wonder, what is something God would feel angry about? What do you think? Of course, Jesus got angry sometimes too. In our story today, Jesus went to the temple in Jerusalem, which is where Jewish people went to worship God. And when he got there, he did not like what he saw. There were all of these people selling animals and trying to make money off the people who were there to worship God. It wasn't right. Jesus said, this is God's house. It's supposed to be a place of prayer. But instead, you're taking advantage of all of these people, and that is not okay. It was a mess, and so Jesus said, it's time to get all of these animals and all of these money makers out of here. Jesus was angry, but he cleaned up the temple that day. Here's a Lenten challenge for you this week. Spend some time cleaning up. Maybe you wanna clean up your room, or help clean up the dishes after dinner. When you're cleaning, spend some time talking to God about something that you think is a mess, something that just isn't right, and ask God to help show you the way. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for all of our emotions. Help us to notice when things are a mess 
and to ask you to show us the way. Amen. We turn our attention now to listening for the Word of God. Hear the lesson from Paul's first lesson to the people of Corinth, chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom to the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Again and again, God shows us the way. Yet science tells us that humans make about 35,000 choices in a day. 35,000 choices each and every day. In the prayer of confession, we pause to take a moment to think about how we, again and again, choose our own way. We ask ourselves now, how many of our decisions are choices God would have us make? How many are not? Let us pray together, knowing that we need guidance and trusting that even when we fall or make a wrong turn, God will pick us up and show us the way. Oh Lord, hear my prayer. Oh Lord, hear my prayer. When I call, God of justice, we are guilty of building tables, tables that oppression dines on, sexism thrives on, and racism lives on. God of justice, we are guilty of forgetting where we are, of turning faith into a negotiation tool, and the church into a place for insiders. God of justice, we are guilty of ignoring the point. For you taught that the temple was for worship, and your message was for all. God of our hearts, be in our decision-making. Draw near to our choices. Forgive our mistakes, and as you do, flip every table, habit, belief, or point of view that needs adjusting. With hope, we pray for a better day. Amen.
Hear these words of assurance. Family of faith, the good news is that God took on flesh and walked this earth to show us the way. God took on flesh so that we could see what it looks like to disrupt and overturn systems of corruption. God took on flesh to teach us another way. God took on flesh to point us to restoration. God took on flesh so that we might be forgiven. Friends, we are held and loved and forgiven by a just and merciful God. Thanks be to God for a love like that. The Gospel lesson for this third Sunday of Lent comes from John, chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. Listen for the word of God. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of money, the money changers, and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
just wish that we could sleep We wanna close our eyes We're not who we wanna be We look in the mirror And we don't like the face that we find We pray that you are listening God forgive us one more time Why are things so broken? Again and again we pray. Where has all the mercy gone? This haunting song has been part of my Lenten journey long before Lent began, as I have been listening to it for weeks now. But it keeps sneaking its way into my mind and heart, calling me to play it again and again. And so now here at the midpoint in this season of Lent, I decided I wanted to share it with you. Maybe now because brokenness seems to name the reality in which we are living. You know, we are a wearied people. We're wearied by death and isolation and disruption, short-tempered and anxious. Wearied by violence, hate and disdain fearful about the future and the state of democracy. We're wearied by division and conspiracy theories, perplexed by the loss of rationality and seeming sanity. And we're wearied by virtual life, zooming for school and work, for worship, family and friend gatherings, and longing for human contact, the simple gifts of touch and sharing a meal. Yes, why are things so broken? Again and again we pray. Where has all the mercy gone? This season calls us to wrestle with the state of our soul and the state of our world. 
As I mentioned on that first Sunday of Lent, it calls us to explore how we often fall short of the glory of God within us, how we need to reorient our lives in order to lean more fully into relationship with the holy that calls us beloved. But as I mentioned then, few of us have the soul space or the emotional bandwidth right now to focus much on ourselves and what would be helpful for us to let go of or to take on or to change direction. I suggested that maybe this year during Lent, instead of focusing on us, that we might instead turn our attention to God as revealed through Jesus, seeking to be reminded of what love, the capital letter love, the holy, the sacred, the divine love, what it can do when it is set loose in our lives. You know, Ash Wednesday, we were reminded that love invites us in. And on the first Sunday of Lent, that love meets us where we are. And last week, we were called to listen. But that means there is something, someone to listen to. And therefore, this God revealed in and through Jesus is a God that speaks. Well, today the reminder is that this God, this love, shows us the way. This God shows us the way. Now I went back to look at the central image that's woven through the material from a sanctified art that we are using in this season, the ampersand reflecting again on the explanation they give on how it emerged for them. The artists wrote, visually, it, the ampersand, has similarities to the infinity symbol for our music staff. It could represent our winding Lenten journey, the curves mimic the cycles of our faith and the repetitive pattern that can both trap or ground us. The ampersand emphasizes God's holy and. When we become weary from the motion blur chaos of our lives, God promises that there is always more to the story. Death does not have the last word. The motion blur photography inside the ampersand represents how our brokenness, our lament, and and our destructive cycles are part of our reality, but they don't take up the entirety of the view. In the ampersand, in God's sacred and, the chaos is contained, held, transformed into beauty with the light of sunrise on resurrection morning. Well, like the song, I kept coming back to this notion of God's sacred and. You know, I think often faith is presented as the sacred but. I mean, we acknowledge sorrow, brokenness, sin, injustice, oppression, failure, and then proclaim but. But there is promise, there is possibility, there is new life. And that is right. Yet when we hear the word but, I think it tends to make us feel as if whatever we are experiencing, whatever truth we claim about ourselves or the world, that if we only had a, a new mind, a new outlook, if we only believed more, uh, believed correctly, acted better, then the kingdom 
would be manifest around us and within us and because of us. I suddenly you know, had this notion that it's sort of a pull yourself up by your bootstraps theology, a put on your big girl, big boy panties approach to faith. Shrug off your pain of deep grief. Throw off your despair at injustice. Drop your destructive addictions. Give up your anger at the other and get on with being people of hope, light, joy, and love. Come on, you can do it. Snap out of it. Be God's people. And there is truth in that, of course. New life in the God that Jesus Christ reveals is the heart of our good news message to the world. Yet how easy it is to begin to focus more and more, again and again, on our efforts, our ability to let go, our ability to shake off, our ability to move beyond. We begin to believe that we have the power to make things right, to heal the broken, to cure the addicted. And we find that we so easily slip into that age-old dilemma of works righteousness, that saving the world is up to us. Well, we become driven in such an idea to perform correctly, or we become frustrated at the meagerness of our efforts, or grow in despair at how bad the world seems and how little our efforts seem to change it. And over time, we then find ourselves either working ourselves to death to try to make things right, or succumbing to apathy about the hope of any chance of creating sustained change or settling for a few acts of kindness or compassion here and there, giving in to the powers and principalities of this world that are bigger and broader than us. The Lenten song goes on, we look in the mirror and we don't like the face that we find. We pray that you are listening. God, forgive us one more time. The theology of the sacred butt. What if it isn't a sacred but, but it really is the sacred and? Yes, your grief is real and deep, and yes, it stings. It stings more than you have ever imagined, and you feel like death itself. And God is there in that grief with you, holding you in the abyss. Yes, your struggle with addiction is like looking at a mountain that you can't imagine ever climbing. And God can, will, is walking uphill with you every step of the way. Yes, the injustice you know rips the soul out of you, fills you with rage and threatens to undo you. And God is at work transforming that injustice through you and others every single day, feeling your rage. Yes, you feel inadequate to the challenges of racism and homophobia, sexism, ageism, ableism, and and want to sleep and close your eyes to it all. And God loves you anyway and keeps showing you the way. Hold us, show us. Again and again, your love remains. Everything is so broken. Still your love remains. Now I think that is the foolishness of the cross that Paul shares with the people of Corinth. 
It is the message that he wants them to hold on to in their division amongst each other, jockeying as they are for who is right, who is theologically more accurate, who is a better teacher, who is more articulate, who is smarter or more faithful. None of your wisdom or clever speech or right knowledge or right behavior will save the world, will right the wrongs, Paul proclaims. Only, only the foolishness of the cross that we proclaim can do that. And the deepest of agonies and the basest of wrongs and the most horrific of injustices, only God's unrelenting, ever-present, all-encompassing love remains to effect transformation, to bring new life. The good news is God's love does remain. And God shows us the way in the agony, amidst the wrong, during the injustice, and carries us so that we are able to participate in that transformation by bringing God's love to bear on whatever reality which we find ourselves living in, in that moment. Oh, I hear again the the great hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Love so amazing, love so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Paul longed for the people of Corinth to know that love, to remember that love, to look at one another with that love so that they could bear that love out to the rest of Corinth. In a city of greed, enslavement, addictions, and idolatry, love, God's love would be the only constant in it all. It would be the only force that would ultimately change the world. Such a foolish idea. And the only one worth living for. You know, I think we so often get the scene at Jesus turning overturning the tables at the temple wrong. And we see it primarily as a condemnation of greed and extortion. We see images that are pictured of Jesus cracking a whip at the money changers, driving people away, causing a riot for the sake of justice. We sense that Jesus is full of rage and anger and we use that to affirm our own anger at injustice, our own use of violence to create what we declare as good change. But as Steve Garnas Holmes suggests, what if this is actually a good piece of street theater, a protest not a riot. It isn't an outburst. It takes time and patience to braid a whip. And Jesus doesn't use it against people. John tells us he uses the whip of cords to to drive the sheep and cattle out of the temple, protecting them, removing them so they cannot be used as a sacrifice, as a scapegoat for the people's brokenness, to right the wrongs by offering up another rather than offering up their own hearts, or their own lives. What if Jesus is actually saying enough already with this idea of sacrifice, of using violence to try to appease the God of heaven and earth? Garnus Holmes writes, a deep instinct tells us our brokenness before God can be fixed by transferring it elsewhere, making another creature 
or person or race suffer for us. A little saving violence, a scapegoat. But Jesus disrupts our sacrifices. I mean, after all, we're not making the sacrifice, the sheep is. Jesus doesn't use the whip to hurt people. It's to rescue the sheep. Stop this, he says. On behalf of God, I will be the sheep. Our brokenness is accepted as is, and God is the one who suffers for us. The foolishness of the cross. Enough of your violence to other people, to other creatures, to yourselves. Stop. Just stop. Enough already. Jesus reveals the God who's willing to bear it all. Bear the sorrow, the addiction, the oppression, the enslavement, the injustice, the rage, the violence, all of it. So we can let it go. And and be filled with comfort, with peace, with light, with relief, with freedom, with hope, with love. Again and again, God shows us the way. Maybe that is why Jesus makes the common act of breaking bread and sharing a cup the center of our life together. When we sit at table, share with one another, offer bread, make drink available. We know this is the sacrifice we are to make, the repentance we are to offer. For it is here at table that we are reminded that whether we are faithful, whether we are deniers or deserters or betrayers of God, all of us, all of us will find a place set for us. We come as we are, our brokenness accepted as it is and forgiven, and God's love remains. And the receiving of the bread and the sharing in the cup, as we look into the eyes of the one who came to show us the way, we know that we are fully seen, warts and all, and yet, and yet we are loved. And in that moment of recognition, our transformation begins and we are on the way to becoming, becoming God's people, becoming God's partners, becoming God's love set free in the world. Hmm. Foolishness indeed. So let us take the bread and drink from the cup and God will show us the way. Truly. Thanks be to God for a love like that. Amen. Let us pray. God of vision and purpose, your spirit joins us on our Lenten way as we come to you now in prayer. Your expectations for us call into question the wisdom of this world's ways. In a culture of greed, you call us to be generous. In this land of brutal meritocracy, you take the side of the poor and those on the margins. 
from the world's frantic works righteousness, you call us to listen for your still, small voice. O oh God, we struggle to even come to you now in prayer because the press of other distractions are so strong and so alluring and so richly rewarded by others. And yet we know that you are God, and we believe that our prayers matter. And so we lift before you your holy church, all of its people and ministries in every place. Unite us in vision and purpose, and nourish us with the bread and cup made holy. Encourage all of our leaders, especially our Bishop Grant and our Superintendent Jim, as they continue to be about the work to discern a path forward for our broken church. We pray for the Reverend Amy Aitken as she concludes her present appointment and prepares to join us in Pasadena. And along with all the churches in our district today, we lift up the people of First United Methodist Church in Palmdale and Knollwood United Methodist Church in Granada Hills. O oh God, sustain those who are living today with weather-related disasters or with the terror of war and violence or with any human-made disaster. Guide the hearts of leaders around the world to seek policies that further common purposes and that protect the vulnerable. Help us to see the ways that what we say we believe may be put into action in our lives. We pray for all who are affected by the coronavirus. Send your comfort to the thousands who mourn and encourage those who are struggling to recover. We especially pray for those who are unemployed or underemployed as a result of the recession and pray that you will continue to strengthen weary health care workers as they face so much suffering and death every day. We also place into your arms of grace those of this community who are facing health challenges, Pat Bruce, Lynn Webster, and Camille Wolford. Heal them and all the persons and situations listed in today's prayer list. O oh God, help us now to turn from the tables of this world's agenda to your table of grace as we partake of the holy meal that you offer to all. Make us one in this sacrament and one in these prayers that we make. Amen. Thank you for joining in this time of worship from First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. There are lots of things that are going on this week. A class about end-of-life planning called Ending Well will begin. There is a blood drive on Wednesday. And the youth group's fundraiser for the Heifer Project is continuing. Looking ahead, Holy Week and Easter are coming up, and there are ways for you to participate in worship even remotely. The Turn a Page book group is meeting soon. And there are a number of items needed for distribution at our social service ministry each Tuesday. All of that went by really fast, didn't it? Where would you go to learn more about all of these things and about even more things? Why, in this week's bulletin. Please take a moment to download it. You can find a link in the video description or in yesterday's worship email. Holy Week and Easter worship will be happening online, so please be sure to subscribe to the church's YouTube channel so that you don't miss any of the events. Remember that connect at fumcpasadena.org is the email address to use when you need to communicate directly with the clergy staff. Finally, remember to use the online giving website for your offerings today. There is a link in the video description 
and at the church's website. Take care of yourself this week, and if you can, care for somebody else too. And remember to wear your mask. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, holy triune God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. From the rising of the sun to its setting, your name is praised among all peoples. We believe in a God who knows holy rage, a God who stands with the underdog, who passionately protects the suffering, and who overturns systems of corruption. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. You are holy, Almighty One. Blessed are you, Jesus Christ. In the power of the Spirit, you created all things, blessed them, and called them good. You called to yourself a people to make your mercy and truth known in all the world. We betrayed your calling. You were faithful. We wandered from the way. You called us to return and led us home. And still we turned from your ways, abused your creatures, and made ourselves slaves to sin and death. But at the right time you came and dwelt among us as one of us, bringing good news to the poor, healing the sick, raising the dead, sharing table with the unrighteous, and teaching the way that leads to life. By your incarnation, life, suffering, execution, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery, and made a new covenant with us by water and the Spirit. We believe in a God who leads by example, feeding the hungry, welcoming the children, offering water to the Samaritan, eating with the tax collector, healing the sick, preaching from the mountaintop, and offering second chances. On the night of your betrayal, Lord Jesus, you took bread, blessed it and broke it, and gave it to your disciples. We believe in a God who knew that we would lose our way and still said, this is my body, broken for you. You did the same with the cup after the supper, saying, This cup that is poured out is the new covenant in my blood. We believe in a God who knew our capacity for mistakes and still said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Blessed Trinity, in remembrance of all you have done to save us, 
we offer ourselves to you in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has come among us. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ abides with us. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered in our many places, on all the gifts of bread and wine which have been gathered. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his life and love. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, even in this time when we are physically separated from one another. Make us one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at that heavenly banquet. And because of this love that we have known, we believe that God shows us the way. Again and again and again, so we can be God's people in the world. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now confident that God has called us, we say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Today there are many loaves, different types of bread, but Christ makes us one, claiming us as Christ's body, so that when we break the bread, it is a sharing in the unity of Christ. And when we lift our cups, mugs, glasses, chalices, and give thanks, it is a sharing in the life of Christ, poured out for us, so that we might participate in the saving of the world. I invite you now to take bread, and to dip it in the cup, and to share the life of Christ with one another.
Receive this good word. God speaks and sends us forth again and again, showing us the way. May we go proclaim God's grace and glory. Jesus speaks and lives are changed as structures and mindsets are overturned. Again and again, we are invited to set free the oppressed, to be the voice for those never heard, to share God's love with all. The Spirit speaks and the world is turned inside out. May we become fools for Christ, trusting that God's way can be our way again and again. Amen.